Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Show. And we are excited to be here today with Daniel Jokelson, who I went to high school with, although we don't really remember that, but you know, still. <laughs> Berkeley High alums. Um, and I will tell you more. He is also, in addition to being someone I went to high school with, <laughs> uh, a singer, songwriter, musician, actor, storyteller, and improviser with a freelance residential garden biz keeping the lights on in Ashland, Oregon. Daniel grew up in Berkeley, California in a Jewish family with an avid interest in the arts. His mother and brother are both visual artists and the whole family were theater and movie fans. Daniel studied acting at UMass Amherst and spent summers teaching theater at a day camp in Berkeley, which is also where he discovered guitar and writing songs. A wanderer and perpetual seeker, Daniel spent almost two years abroad traveling and working in agricultural settings. When he returned to the Bay Area, he continued working in agriculture and gardening while doing Soto Zen residential practice, absorbing the Buddhist approach and recording Ego Tofu, an album of original music. In 2008, he relocated to Southern Oregon, where he lives happily with his partner, Stephanie, and has a life full of creative pursuits. He completed a two-year Magid training program in Ashland, learning both the craft of storytelling and the art of Torah interpretation, or Midrash. So welcome, Daniel. Thank, Thank you. you. Lovely to be here. I think everybody has moved to Southern Oregon at this point, where the, the sort of the Bay Area is sort of <laughs> empty, don't you think? It feels like everybody we know has moved to Southern Oregon. Okay, half of Oregon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so, um, all right. Well, we're we're a little funny in our recording schedule, so we'll just do a quick. What are you working on, Angie? Um, I am working on a variety of work that professional. Yeah, yeah professional video making. Though that's exciting yeah. when your yeah. profession sort of has a then overlap. With yes. Your, um, and I am still waiting. So hopefully, when this airs, I like maybe won't be waiting anymore. But at this moment, I'm still waiting to hear from my agent. So, um. So trying to figure out if I what I do in that kind of moment. Hopefully by the time this airs, I'll know what to do in those lulls. But in any case, but more interestingly, um, Daniel, what are you working on at this time? Um, right, right now, now I, I, got, I, I got I was cast, cast in a play, in a, play uh, a, few a few months ago, and, and we just had our, our second read through. We're starting rehearsals at the end of the month, so I'm just steeping myself in in that stuff. And and then I'm. It's, it's an, an original, original play. play. It's, it's by, by a woman who's an actress, an actress um, in, in town, town and, and a playwright. So it's an autobiographical, semi-autobiographical semi play about her upbringing in Long Island in the 70s. And it's, it's, it's a family drama, drama, and I play the father. So I got to work on my, my New York accent and um, my, my Jewish angst and whatever. Just um, I'm excited to be collaborating with people. And then I also... I'm, I'm in a, an ensemble that sings world folk music from different traditions, and uh, we have a concert coming up, so I have some work to do on that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm interested in is you do storytelling across a variety of kind of genres or, you know, uh, like storytelling and you studied storytelling formally so i want to talk about that as well but yeah. you know kind of what are the differences and similarities in the different kinds of storytelling you do from performance you know live theater performance to songwriting to storytelling um mm. you know i don't know that's a really enormous question yeah. <laughs> can you make that yeah. up um. <laughs> but like okay, how about this let's start with this how does the work you've done on storytelling come into preparing for a role in a play? 
Uh, that's, uh, that's a good, good question. question. Um, it's interesting. I, um, I think it has to do with maybe seeing the big picture. Um, you know, we, I have just this one little role in, in, the, in this play, and I could just really hone in on that, but it's, it's about seeing the bigger, the totality of the story um, and the bigger, the overarching themes of the story and what's important, what, what is wanting to be told right, is, you know, something to focus on. And I think that's, uh, improv helps with that too, just um, learning how to, learning, when you're improvising, you're basically writing the scene as it's happening, um, as opposed to playing a part, you know, so you have to be thinking about your scene, scene partners, partners and you got to be thinking about where the scene, scene is heading and you got to be remembering what 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 already happened so you can reference it, it. Um, so, so all those all those art forms, forms kind of connect really nicely and easily yeah i'm i'm sure yeah. angie's done some improv too I, i'm really fascinated by that the the importance and i think it's true for for non-improv but maybe even harder to like be completely listening and attentive to the moment and what might unfold when you've rehearsed it a bunch of times. Like, how do you bring that same energy of complete presence, which also, of course, ties to your Buddhist practice, to something you've had to rehearse and memorize? Um, I guess, I guess for, for me, me it's, it's a little, little bit mental. mental. Like, like, I just, I, just I, need I need to, I need to bring myself back, back to the, the moment because I, I, that's, that's my, my, my tendency, tendency is to drift, drift off, off if I, I if I get the, I get least, the least bit uncomfortable, uncomfortable or, or insecure or whatever, or whatever. Um, that, I, think I think that's that's, that's where the Buddhist training really came in handy, handy because, because and, and that actually, actually relates to story too because, because that's, that's all about, about in, 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 in some, some ways, ways it's about, about the your your life is a story that you're telling yourself yourself being a construct anyway, and so just. Um, learning, learning how to come, come back, back from the story, the story and, and, and all of the, you know, you're at the identity that I have and, and all the opinions that are attached to that identity and all the stories about the various people and, and things happening and just come back to what's happening now, which, you know, has either many stories or no stories or just, just beyond stories, um, just coming back to that, that present moment, which is you know, yeah, one, one of the, the hardest, hardest things, things to do, to do, to do for me anyway. You know, yeah. I thought, you know, we do a, a, a lot of planning in our class. So I actually yeah. thought she was going to look for a relationship between when you've planned a scene and bringing curiosity, right. oh, well, which we, is what I, what I would assume would also be helpful on the stage, right? Like, if you... Uh, well, so when you say planning, like we do, we teach people story structure, right? And so yes. they're planning a novel or planning a memoir, right? Um, and and I think the way that you keep it from being formulaic is to to acknowledge that you still have curiosity, right? There's still curiosity, even mm. though you've got a plan. There's really a limit to what you can hold in your head or whatever. So you have that opportunity to notice in the moment when you're writing. And so mm -hmm. I, so that's where I thought her tie-in was going to be around story and bringing authenticity uh -huh. into something that has been, in some ways, pre-constructed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting to think of, like, like, this Buddhist idea of, like, sort of separating from all the stories you tell and kind of seeing that they are 
constructs. And then on the other hand, like studying storytelling, like being yeah. fascinated by, like talk, tell us a little bit about the program you did that was where you studied yeah. storytelling. So, I mean, it was a, it was a Jewish education training program. It's, I actually received a certification to be a Magid. And a Magid in like the old country back in Eastern Europe was a kind of an itinerant Jewish preacher. They'd go around and they would, they would teach using parables, stories, um, and, you know, delving into text. But it was for, you know, generally the people who, who weren't literate in Hebrew and didn't have, didn't, didn't have a religious education. education. It was a way, a way of, kind of kind of tying, um, tying the Jewish people who were really oppressed and really just at a real spiritual and emotional low, just through all the persecution, back to their heritage and back to just some kind of feeling with, with the divine and what you know what connects us to each other. Um, and so. Half the, it was a it was a couple. It was the rabbi, one of the two rabbis. We've got two synagogues in town, and one of the rabbis at the one synagogue, he and his wife do this program. So he he delves into Torah, into the Old Testament, and Hebrew etymology, and learning how to interpret uh, so that you can go up in a synagogue and give an interpretation of that week's Torah portion. And his wife is a professional storyteller. She tells, she tells mostly, mostly Jewish, Jewish stories, but, but all kinds of stories. stories. And so, so she worked was a, on the other, the other half was working with her on the craft of, of, of telling folk tales, telling stories. stories. So, so so every week we would do, do or every month I guess we would do a little bit of both of those. Would you we, generate I, your own story, or were you looking at existing? Because you said folk tales, so I was just wondering. You know, yeah. is storytelling now like music, and that there's folk music, even though it was like you know. It's not, it's a genre of, or a style versus when you think of folk tales, you think of specific things that have been around forever and ever, whereas mm -hmm. folk music could be could written yesterday, but it's a right. genre. So I'm just wondering, when you say folk tale, do you mean it's a genre or do you mean specific folk tales from specific cultures and times? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think that the, the, the craft... It was, it was the craft, the craft is the craft, craft. learning how to tell a story, you know, and, and, you know, in my case, how to do it theatrically so that I'm doing characters, voices, I've got my whole body is animated and I'm really connecting with a live audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, the focus was on Jewish folktales, um, traditional folktales, but we were asked to do, I think, one, one story outside, outside of from a, from a, of a different tradition and also we were asked to do a um, a, a personal story so we so had to come up with just tell a story true story from our own life and you, you can embellish that a little bit but um but it was nice to work on that as well and then i did do a i did a woody allen stand-up bit which is he, he, he does a lot of stories in his old 60s stand-up routine so that's that's, That's newer, newer than, than, you know, folk tales, but, but still sort of old. But that was really fun because it was like I got to try out a little bit of stand-up at the same time. Cool. So and what are the, like when we teach story, sort of, we, I mean, a lot of it comes out of what Angie's developed from screenwriting as it applies to novels or memoirs. But um, so we there's like these, we do sort of these seven steps and things like that where they're kind of, um, 
were there markers or pillars of, of storytelling, this, you know, beginning, middle, end, whatever it was, where that was there. Yeah. Can you tell us? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think I it's, it's about, about so, so we've got, got these, these, these little, it's, it's like, like a tight, tight time, time window, right? I mean, it's, it's generally don't want to tell a story that's more than 10 minutes long. Often, often it's less. less. I, like I like to tell longer stories just because it, it, you get, you get more, more time, time to, to speak in the characters' languages. Language, you get more time to, to to describe things visually, um, verbally, visually, and uh, and just more time to like delve into the story. So there's a time there's a time limit, and then there's yeah there's a beginning, there's a middle, and the end. Um, there's like I said, it works specifically with with characters and how and just visually how do you present um, dialogue. Uh, dialogue. Uh, if, if you're playing, playing multiple, multiple characters, characters on stage, how do you do that? How do you work with partners? Like I, I, I did, did several story, story stories with a partner, and how do you? How does that function? Um, and uh, and then finding the medicine in the story too. There's there's ways of you know just finding like why 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 does the story speak to me, and why am I telling it, and what's it, it, there's a, there's a medicine for the storyteller, and then hopefully you transmit that, and the, the audience can can get some healing, even if it's just laughter, but it could, you know laughter, tears, whatever. And also, where are some places where you can actually tie in your own personal um, story? Because sometimes it helps the audience connect if you can if you can tell them how how it relates to you. You can kind of diverge and take a little uh, pause from the the actual, the actual story, story and um, go, go off, off and tell your own story, story a little bit. I love that idea of like the medicine in the story. I mean, I've I know a lot about like why, why story and how much we need story. Yeah. And that, and that idea that, and that, and it's interesting that, it, that the sort of the medicine has to come first for the storyteller, mm -hmm. you know, just, yeah. Like, and it doesn't it have to be, be it, it, it can, can be implied, you know, it's, it's just, it's more like, like spending a little, a little conscious, conscious time, time thinking of feeling into the story about why, what, it, what grabs you about the story. There's a reason, you know, you can open up a big book of folktales and read through it and only a few really jump out that be like, that call to you particularly. And then it, to somebody else, that story doesn't do anything. So, yeah. And it might change in your own life, right? The one Right, right, totally. Yeah. I mean, I've found so far, I've, I've got like, I don't know, 12 or 15 stories that I, most of them I did through that program and I've done a few since, but I keep wanting to come back to them because I think partly because I, I don't get to tell them enough. And uh, I'm not, I'm not in a, a, a groove where I'm just telling stories all the time. You know, it's, it, it still feels like, wow, I love telling the story. I want to tell it more. So, um, yeah. Yeah, like what are the opportunities to tell stories? I guess there's like <laughs> there's formal yeah. the cocktail parties. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I, like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in this ensemble, ensemble called, it's called Rogue World, World Music, and we sing tradi choral arrangements of traditional folk songs from different, different cultures. And, and I, I, have I have told a story at one of our concerts, concerts and then I, I formed a little, a little, a um, little, Breakout group, group of a uh, smaller group, group from, from that group, group that sings some, some of the same music, music and I've started. I'm I'm gonna, gonna be telling some folk tales just in us. We we, we play like wine bars and farmers markets and small venues, and it's an opportunity for me to tell stories that way. 
Um, Which actually, and then, interestingly, yeah, yeah, go ahead. music, you know, even though if you're, if you're a musician, you don't really want people to dip in and out of them. But when you're in those kinds of venues, that's really what people do, right? They come, they hear part of a song, and they'll um, kind of move on sometimes if yeah. you're doing that in sort of a... In a bar. In a bar or something mm-hmm. like that. And telling a story, you know, it's sort of interesting to think how how... How does one have a, if someone hasn't come to specifically listen to a story, but has gone to a wine bar where you're performing, yeah. um, it's an interesting, or the farmer's market, like right. walking by. Right. I think about, you know, that's more like, um, yeah, that, that probably wouldn't look so much, but yeah. yeah. So just thinking about that and how, if you're doing a performance, when people aren't going to necessarily take in the whole thing, they might right. come in late. And, you know, mm-hmm. stay to finish or whatever. And so it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, to, be to be honest, honest I, haven't I haven't totally figured, figured it out. And I, I'm, I'm just looking for these opportunities. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this, we did a, the ensemble I was in hosted this Kaylee, which is kind of like a Celtic like party where people tell stories and do dances and uh, sing songs and whatever. So that was, you know, I immediately asked them if I could tell that. This Irish, Irish folk, folk tale, tale that I had been working, working on, on. Um, and, and that, that was a, that, that was an opportunity. And then this thing that that that, um, that we were at earlier with our from our high school, school was like there's not. So I'm just like any time I can have an opportunity like that, I'll try to build it in. And and so you've also worked with kids. Yes. Have you done any storytelling for kids? A little bit. I'm actually teaching Hebrew school right now with Bar and Bat Mitzvah. Kids, it's a real, real small, small class, class, but, um, you know, you know they're, they're working, working on, you know, each of them, uh, part of their bar mitzvah, bar bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah is, is they're having, having to read from the Torah, and it's a story from the Torah. From the Torah. So, so it's, it's we've been a, working, working a little bit on their Torah portions as stories, and, you know, what kind of arc does their story have? What happens? What are the conflicts? Who are the characters? What are they thinking about? And um, the difference between an ARK and an ARC. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And, and a little bit of bibliodrama, bibliodrama which, which I haven't really, really don't have much experience with. Really. What does that mean? I, well, it's like, it's kind of clunky because I haven't really done it, but it's basically getting them to act out, like act out the, the story of that particular, in that chapter, you know, the, the crossing of the Red Sea or whatever it is. As, as, as if it's, it's a, play. a play. And so, so having them, like, uh, act, act out, out like, like a, feed them lines or give them a script. script. And then and afterwards, afterwards, it's kind of fun, like, the, the educator I'm working with, with uh, had, had me basically, basically put them on a panel. panel. So, so I had, I had somebody, somebody playing God and somebody playing Abraham and somebody playing Sarah. You put them on a panel and ask them how they felt about, you know, ask them questions about you know, you know that, that story, story as, as if they, they and have, have them speak in character. character. So, so there's, there's things, things like that, that you can do. That's great. Kind of fun, fun dramatically. dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about, I love the idea of being like a wandering storyteller. Like I'm like, oh, that's, yeah. yeah. Like that's what, that's something I'd like to do. <laughs> like to be yeah. a wandering storyteller. <laughs> and my dad used to tell jokes all the time. I mean, all right. the time. And it would always come sort of, spontaneously out of the conversation and he'd be like oh right. it reminds me about this guy and um, yeah 
So, and then I'm thinking about, you know, what, you know, like the just, you know, books and television and sort of what are our story, the modes by which we get story. Yeah. Know? And, you know, yeah. I, don't yeah. know, I was working with the kids in, in, in our, our kids' middle school. Actually, they, they did National Novel Writing Month, but so I was doing some writing stuff with them. And do you know National Novel Writing Month? It's no, like no. It's like this, it's called NaNoWriMo, and it's like a, a nonprofit online presence, and you can, and you, a bunch of people write a whole novel in November. <laughs> right, right. And uh, it's fun. Anyway, so the kids did a version of that. Uh -huh. and, but they're just so creative. You know, they just, yeah. adults sort of need to be taught to give give themselves permission and acceptance and the kids are just like woo you know, yeah. stories <laughs> yeah so um how about songs how 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 does how does the sort of how do songs work into this whole mix yeah well um it usually, usually just you know comes, you know, comes out, out of something, something that, that i'm going through i guess and, and and, and if, if I'm, I'm immersed, immersed in, in, in music, music, like in making music and listening to music, then invariably I'll have some kind of, there'll be some, it, I think it usually starts out with a melody that I'm thinking about, or um, maybe I, I'm just listening to a particular genre of music and I start like coming up with something in country or bluegrass or funk or whatever it is, and, and, uh, and then... That, that, that melody, melody and, and, and there's a melody and a rhythm that comes up and then I start, I start like putting, putting a, you know, a, a line to it. I start writing it and hopefully, hopefully it comes fairly easily. Sometimes, sometimes I need to edit it kind of heavily, heavily but, but uh, <laughs> if I'm just in, yeah, if I'm in a place where I'm inspired, I mean, when I was at the Zen Center, I'd have time to play guitar, you know, when I, between meditating and working and all that. And I, I just, I came up with some, basic like baseline in my head and then I came up with all these different vocal harmonies on top of that and then it, and then it occurred to me to make it into a beat poem and so then I started writing a beat poem um, kind of like um, yeah like from um, So I Married an Axe Murderer that kind of <laughs> the scene I mean I never saw that movie but there's some great like scenes in that Mike Myers is like riffing on top of bass lines and so it's a, I don't know, just little things like that. Um, and then with that, with that album, I was able to then work with a friend, actually from Berkeley High, who's an engineer, um, music uh, engineer, and he helped me put that together. And then I brought in all these different musicians to lay over different saxophones and mandolins and all these different things. Uh, whatever, whatever genre I'm listening to, um, and whatever's going on in my life, it just, it comes out of that. Yeah, like immersing yourself in something and then responding. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, in um, like classical music, you'll have, those are often stories, right? So you have these movements that are actually stories that are describing right. a moment or a scene or a transition. When you're adding words, do you feel like you're still doing that kind of work with the music? Like, is the music itself a story? Yes. Hmm. Wow, well, I have I not thought of that, actually. actually. I, mean, I mean, there's, there's a, structure a structure to it. It's, it's often like, you know, chorus, bridge, chorus, verse, chorus, verse with a bridge, and then back to the chorus or whatever it has to be. Um, and then sometimes I'll consciously mess with that and, and 
added something weird just to shake people out of whatever rut they're in. But um, I haven't really... I mean, I, yeah, I guess that... I guess I have... I did a... Um, I wrote a song for a friend's wedding, actually, and it was a, just a much longer song with a lot more instrumental parts to it, and so it really did have a feeling of moving through... And I wasn't conscious about it at the time, but just... There were a lot of um, musical movements that weren't necessarily chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, that kind of thing. But I don't. I guess I don't think of it. I haven't thought of it consciously. Like I'm gonna shift the music here in order to like punch this, uh, you know, feeling or word or whatever. Which is a good idea. It kind of reminds me of filmmaking. How filmmaking is really so visual. And yet, yeah, you know, when you write a script, I mean, I not not that, but you know, you there's like you know, you think of a script as being dialogue, right? All dialogue, but a film yeah. almost has to work like on without without dialogue. sound, or maybe not sound without sound. I don't know. The music in a film also is like such a huge storytelling device. You just listen to the soundtrack, so yeah, it's kind of interesting to think of all the other pieces that go into the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. besides the story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's time for Steal This. Amateur poets borrow, professional poets steal, <laughs> uh, said T.S. Eliot and many others. Um, is there something that you've come across in your wanderings, readings, performing, singing, <laughs> that you would like to take and make your own? Yeah, um, I've been rereading re this, this uh, memoir, memoir by Alan Arkin, Arkin the, the actor. actor. This, this beautiful book about, about his process and... and uh, and, and there are a there couple, couple things, things in there. there. One, One of them, them was, was recounting, recounting um, a little. Uh, he, he, he would recount, recount all these different, different processes by which actors have to like gear themselves, themselves up to like, like jump into a scene. scene. And, and a lot of them, them you know, you know have, have to sort of shame themselves or stress themselves out in order to like get the adrenaline necessary. But there was, I think it was Jack Lemon. He said before every scene in a movie, he would say. It's, it's magic, magic time. time. <laughs> so I think, I think you know, that's, that's with, with, to, go to go with performance, you know, it's like, like how do I get, get myself into a, a, a playful, happy, receptive, receptive mood? mood would be that. And then yeah. um, the, the other thing, thing he talks about, about is just... just to say, did you see 12 Angry Men? <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to imagine him saying right, right. magic time and then yeah. going into that. But, but maybe, right? It's like immersion. Right. And, yeah. and actually, what it, but before you go, I, I want to hear yeah. this, but, but it also reminded me of the story you tell about, um, I think it was the, about Rain Man and like Dustin Hoffman doing all this. Was it no, Rain it was Man? Marathon Man. And, and mm. he, was in the, he was in the film Marathon Man with... Lawrence Olivier, and so right. Dustin Hoffman was like oh, yeah. and doing right. all this crazy stuff, and then they to get into character. character, and he yeah. would stay in character like twenty four seven, so he'd just be on right. set like doing exhausted his role and all that right. stuff, and then he like meets Olivier in the makeup room, and Olivia Olivier looks at him and says, "Wouldn't it be simpler just to act?" Right. <laughs> it's a great, great story. story. <laughs> anyway, I, I guess if you're British, yeah, yeah. it's probably much better. But anyway. No, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else? Well, well, you know, just, the just the other little thing, thing is just, just um, and, and this is, I've been thinking, thinking about this more because I'm in this play now. It's just, just um, that, and, and imp like, like I said, this kind of goes back to the improvising thing of just, you're writing a story and you're aware of the general arc is that a lot of 
um, actors are, are just aware of their, maybe they only read their lines or their scenes and not, they're not aware of their function in the whole. So it's just like looking at a piece of art, like stepping back and looking at the whole thing. What's, what is it trying to say? What is it? What is, what is the medicine? medicine? What, what is, is you know, know the, the message, message of it? it? And how, how does, does this character? character or, how do how do, how do I as an artist like serve that function, function basically? Yeah, yeah so, that's so important too. I mean, just as as a writer, you know, working solo on a project, but I see that yeah. each part has to kind of reflect the whole, and each you know little things that seem sort of like casual or an aside are actually all working towards this this larger vision, the medicine, the whatever. So. Yeah. In this case, you're embodying like one of those little parts of the whole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's very cool. Yeah. Um, Angie? Um, well, I was reading an article today that I discussed with you a little bit, which is about the neuroscience, some aspects of the neuroscience of story and sort of what chemically happens in the brain at different moments. And it was sort of one of the best things I've ever heard about why you avoid cliche. And the truth is, uh, certain metaphors get worn out so that they no longer have an emotional response. And so if they don't have an emotional response, they don't give you the dopamine hit that you get from a, a well-chosen right. metaphor. And so what you're actually... The one he had a rough day or something? Yeah, he had a rough day. So the phrase rough day at this point means nothing. There's no... Right. There's right. no Whereas, whereas it's such, it's actually a great response. word, right? Yeah. It's like the sandpapery right. word, but we are so yeah. used to it. We don't... Um, but there's no dopamine hit on that and so you know so right now what i'm stealing is avoiding cliche not just because it's lazy writing <laughs> but because you're writing to impact people and to choose a, a cliche is to choose not to impact so right that's great. that's great. What's the article called? Or how, where, where I will have to find. We'll right, find we'll it in, in the show, show notes. notes. <laughs> um, well, I just found out that I'm going to be in conversation with Rebecca Traster, whose latest book is called Good and Mad, about women's rage or whatever. And uh, anyway, so I'm just delving into her kind of oeuvre and like reading articles and interviews and all that. I just, just is all happening today. I'm going to be, just for, for since this is coming out in a week and a half or something, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the Larkspur um copperfields no. no yes yes oh totally i said i'm um, yes <laughs> she's I'm been like, telling people she's gonna be somewhere else oh, gosh. Anyway, <laughs> larkspur copperfield um that's right uh at noon on monday february 4th so anyway but one of the things that's been interesting is um in one of the articles i read uh this therapist was talking about um kind of working with people and I, I think like especially women but but not only who um, who sort of like lose their voice or lose their public speaking mojo um, and think that they're suddenly f are very afraid or whatever and it turns out they're really very angry and how to like express that anger in a way that kind of gets them back into their voice and into their power mm -hmm. so that was something I was thinking about because the things that I want to talk about about gender Specifically, like I'm always sort of trying to casually say to like other parents, you know, you know, basically like, no, no, you're, you know, you're slotting my kids into a gender slot because you have these rigid ideas. And, but I'm trying, I'm always trying to 
not be super angry and so I'm not always very eloquent about it or even willing to go into it I'm always like oh that's just my little thing mm. <laughs> and I think so so that was actually helpful for me as well as seeing this person who I mean I love fiction and that's kind of where my my first love is so that's kind of where I want to pour most of my energy but but in thinking about trying to articulate some of the things that I want to talk about both that idea about anger was really helpful for me and then she's kind of an interesting role model because she's doing a lot of writing and thinking about stuff and I think her work is getting put out there about but, stuff right yeah gender and things <laughs> well I think her work is getting put out there like in the way that's really easy for the society to think about it like mm -hmm. women's rage but I think she is complicating like what it what it means to be a woman and how and all that so and what it means to rage yes and how it can help or not <laughs> anyway so I'm kind of excited about all of that excellent yeah so um, where can people sort of find your, your work, all the different things? <laughs> well, well, probably, probably it probably be easiest just to Google, Google my name. name. Um, I, I have, have the, the, the music, music from that album is up on Reverb Nation. Yeah. So, so I think I, I gave you that, that link. link and, yep, that'll be uh, in the show notes. That's yeah, cool. and, I, and I eventually, you know, you most know, of what I do is so vocal, so it's not doesn't have a online presence, but I'm hoping to eventually have a website and have some, some stories, stories up there, there but, but nothing, nothing just, just the music, music basically. Mm -hmm. But if, if you Google me and you're in Southern Oregon, Oregon you can well, find I'm, out I'm where sure I'm going to be. There's something about storytelling that is really local, right? Yes. I mean, or yeah, you know, yeah. even if you're traveling, let's say you're a wandering storyteller, you're still, right, right. Uh, you know, you're having that local moment, which I think is, is sort of newly magical now. It's like, right, ooh, right. like live theater, what an invention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we're so immersed yeah. in everything streaming, right? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So I like that. It, like, but I the CGI it's... is terrible in live theater. <laughs> Not really, because it's our imagination. Kidding. Anyway, power on with the radically local. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so, so much for yeah, talking with us. It's yeah. Really Thanks, thanks for, having for having me. me. Fun to talk about storytelling. I love yes. it. Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>